So we're in the seven churches, and we're in the time of world history that we are. I mean, just think about that just for a moment. How God has chosen us, we've said this over and over, to live in this time in world history, how blessed we are. What an opportunity we have. And we're going to press in really hard on that today as we look at the Church of Philadelphia. Before I do that, I know that along the way, as we've done these churches and we've had some interruptions, maybe some of you have not been able to be here for all of them. So I thought I'd do just a brief summary for each one. First, the Church of Ephesus, the church that left its first love. The people were hardworking. They hated evil. But at the same time, they were neglecting the basis of the relationship with Christ. When Jesus had been asked previously, he's talking to his churches here now, but when he'd been asked previously, what is the greatest? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as yourself. See, as we go through these churches, and we're looking at the churches because these are the churches that Jesus is talking to at the end of the age, and here we are now, church in the end of the age, and what God is saying to us, and what God wants to do in our lives in this process is, it really is supernatural. He's simply waiting for us as his kids to get with the program, as it were. So the second church we talked about was Smyrna, the persecuted church. There was no rebuke for them. They were going through the fire of persecution. They were staying steady and fast. And then the Pergamon church. The worldly church, the church of compromise. They'd allowed idolatry and immorality and cult heresy to be part of their church and the Lord Christ. Remember, he's the head of the church. In each of these churches, he is addressing the angel of the church, the Evangelion, the messenger, the pastor of the church, and saying, tell the church, this is how I see them. In fact, every one of them, he says, I know, I know, I know. And the word there in the Greek is oide, which means I know because I have personal knowledge of it. I'm not operating on hearsay. I'm operating on the fact that I know, I know, I know what I'm seeing. I know you. I know what's been going on. I know. Please understand. (laughs) He knows. Whatever it is you're going through, he knows. And that's what he says to the churches. The church of Thyatira. The church had love and faith and good works. And they were patient. But they too had allowed compromise to enter the church. Then last week, Bill, the church of Sardis. They'd gone to sleep. So let's just think about that for a moment. When you come in here for us to gather corporately as a body on any Sunday morning like this, what do you bring with you? I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Is it possible that as Chris was addressing us earlier, It's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to say praise God. It really is. Now, don't misunderstand me. You might be here and you might be one of those who are having the problems and having the difficulties. And you need somebody to pray with you and pray for you. Well, 
Don't just sit around and say, boy, I wish I had somebody. Go find somebody. The room is full of people who will pray with you and pray for you to get the help that you need in that process. So let's don't be the church that's asleep. Let's don't be the church that's compromising. And let's certainly don't be the church that isn't loving and honoring Christ by doing so. So we come to the church in Philadelphia. And this church, the word philo in the Greek, is a word for love. And it's brotherly love. This is not love between God and man. This is not love between a woman and a man. This is brotherly love. This is, this is the love in the Greek language. And the reason that Philadelphia was named as it was was because the emperor was naming it in honor of his brother. So Euninus or Eumenus was, honor, was honoring his brother who was so loyal and so loving to him, Atlas, And he said, so this is the place of brotherly love, the one who loves his brother. Now, the reason for this city of Philadelphia was it was on the very edge, the border of Asia, going into Asia Minor. And so it was a place where commerce was amazing. In fact, one of their big things was their vineyards. They were so good at growing grapes where they were, they actually became a competitor to Rome, if you can imagine that. So all this is what's happening, and right in the middle of it is this church. And Jesus, the head of the church, says to the angel, the messenger of the church, write this. He who is holy, who's holy? He is. He said, I'm the holy one. He who is true, staying true. Now, I got to tell you, in my lifetime, I have never seen so much untruth as I'm seeing today. An example. In the Ukraine... All this going on there with the invasion of Russia. There's a pastor, Rick Renner, who is an American who pastors in Russia, in Moscow. He's been there for 30 years, so he's got a history there. And he says they're trying to keep up with all the current issues because they have ministry all over that part of the world. And he said, and this I'm watching him each night as they give their their update. And he said he's watching two news channels. He said, literally, I have two TVs on. I'm watching two news reports from different channels. The reporters are on the same street at the same time reporting the same incident. And they were totally different. If there was ever, ever a time that we needed as believers in Christ a discernment to know truth, it's now. Well, Jesus says, I am the one who is true. And he says, I am the one who holds the key of David. Now, the key of David, back in Isaiah, it talks about this. In fact, Jesus is actually quoting Isaiah 22 in this verse. 
The key of David was the idea of all the authority that's represented by God as he did so through King David, and now he's doing so through Jesus Christ. Another way of saying this is this. Jesus is the key man. If you want to go somewhere, if you want to get somewhere, you better have a relationship with the one who holds the keys, and Jesus is the one who holds those keys. Now look what he says here. This is, this is where we're going to get to today. Really important. Jesus who is holy, Jesus who is true, Jesus who holds the key, he opens and no one will shut. Now what does that mean? means there are places that God wants every one of us to go in our life and ministry. Every one of us. We're unique. We're created by God in such amazing ways. And he has ministry opportunities for us. And he wants all of us to step into that. But he is the one who makes the way possible. He has the keys. It says that he will open and no one can shut it. And then what he shuts... No one can open. This, he says, I, again, I know, I adoide, adoy, oide, get it right, oide, I know, I know by firsthand knowledge because I am there with you. I have not left you. I've not forsaken you. I'm there. I know your deeds. There's no reproof for the church at Philadelphia. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my words and have not denied my name. Listen, there's something about not denying the name of Jesus Christ. It means that my life that I'm living exemplifies the character of my Lord Jesus Christ. In my conversation, And in my conduct. And if it isn't, then I need to do something to make sure that's taken care of. I need to do something to make sure that this is where I am aligned with him because that is his will. And he says, and I open the door which no one can shut. Now, the idea behind the word door here in the original language, is this was a, like a big door. It wasn't like a door you and I could open. It's a huge, huge door that has the, the rings and the, the rod through it so that you can't get through. But he says, but I have the keys and I can open the door. And when I open the door for you, no man can shut it. He says, I'm the one who makes those choices. The problem is this, at least I think this is my take. We don't always want his doors. We want our doors. Well, Lord, there's not enough fame through that door. There's not enough recognition. There's not enough stuff through that door. I want to go through this door. I didn't have what the law enforcement officers have. All I have is my fence post driver. And... So it's going to have to serve. When law enforcement wants to open a door, they open the door with something of this nature. We are so guilty. I promise you, I'm not trying to sit in judgment or accusation of anybody. But I've been in this way, way too long. I want 
what I want. And Lord, the door you have for me is it's just not, it's, it's not going to satisfy me enough. I want this door. So we go after that door. How sad is that? How sad is it that our loving Christ who gave his life has selected a plan and a purpose for us. In fact, even before creation. And he's wanting us to walk this out, live this out. And we get all caught up in what we want and how we want it and when we want it. It's got to break his heart. It's got to break his heart. He says, I'm opening the door. I have the keys. I'm opening the door before you that I want you to walk through. So let's think about this now, right now. We've just been in the pandemic, and now we have all this in Ukraine. Was there ever a time like this for an open door? In fact, I'm reading ministry reports from different ministries, and here's one of the things I'm hearing from Ukraine. As people are fleeing, as people are being bombed and shelled. They're asking for Bibles. Do you know that after World War II, the Gideons were asked for Bibles for Japan and we could not raise enough money in America to supply the Bibles that they were requesting. I appreciate the fact that, as I mentioned, I watched Rick Renner and his ministry. He says, we're not taking sides. He said, we get requests for prayer from Russian soldiers and requests requests for prayer for those who are being attacked. And we're praying for everybody who's involved in this. So what if? In the process of what's happening in that nation, God is opening a door for the gospel to be presented. You say, but I'm not in Ukraine. I'm not in Poland. I'm not in any of the surrounding Soviet bloc countries. And you're right. We're not there. But if God puts on your heart to help purchase Bibles or even supplies, then you do that. In a few weeks, as you saw, Sam Thomas will be here with us from India, and he'll be giving us a a really good update of how this is impacting another part of our world. But all of this comes back to us, too. What is the open door that he has for you? For you. Don't don't sit out there and say, oh, man, those, those missionaries over there, they can have great open doors. No. Because right now, people in our world, in our world here, are asking questions about what the heck is going on? Our world has gone crazy. Does anybody anywhere have an answer that can at least somehow bring me some peace, bring me some help in my life? It's going to be your family members, it's going to be your coworkers, it's going to be your friends. And right now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, God is opening those doors in ways they have not been opened previously. Please, I am begging you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Do not, 
be over here trying to get through a door that he doesn't have for you. But be over here in that intimate relationship with him, walking with him in such harmony that as he opens the door, you step through it and you seize the opportunity and you seize the moment that he has for you. Open door. This little church in Philadelphia, it says they're small. They're not a big church. But they see the opportunity of the gospel going to Asia Minor because the commerce is going that way. And so they go that way as well. And all the time, they're facing difficulty. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan. So there's opposition. The Jews who call themselves Jews who think they're worshiping Jehovah... He says, Jesus says, no, they're of the synagogue of Satan. They're opposing, they're anti-God, and they don't realize it. They're just in their religion, they're in their commerce, they're in their stuff. He who says they're Jews, or those who say they're Jews, but they're not. But they lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Listen, please, I am... Again, I'm begging, do not take something like this and try to go through a door that God doesn't have for you. Don't get all caught up in your emotions and your feelings and I want this, I want this. Listen, God may have for you some suffering. He may. These folks were suffering. They were not a part of the crowd, as it were. They were being ridiculed. They were being persecuted. At the same time, Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ is saying, you guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. You're little, you're small, but you've stayed to the one who's true. You've stayed to the one who is the one with the keys. He says, those guys in the synagogue of Satan, you don't worry about them. I'll take care of them. They'll come and bow because you have kept the word of my perseverance. You know, that's not the common word today in our world is perseverance. We're, God, we're so quick to give up on stuff. We're so quick to quit and go to something else. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth. Now, this is getting into more eschatology than I want to today. But the truth is this. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be shaken for the things that are good and right to stand and the things that are not to be removed. If that means my life and your life, then bless God, so be it. This world does not need to see some mandy-pandy church. When I say church, I'm not just talking about CFM. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. But men and women and boys and girls who are standing up for Christ. I, I always go back to that picture, my first trip to India. And we're going out on the streets, and, and it was too dangerous for me to do any kind of evangelism. I'm not an evangelist anyway. I was there to teach and train the pastors, but I would go with them on their street ministries. And I came back from one of the trips, and they were telling me the story of this little 10-year-old boy who had been out on the streets now, 10-year-olds out on the streets, handing out gospel tracts. 
And some of the radical Hindus took this little 10-year-old boy and they slapped him around. They beat him up. They tore up his tracks. And he comes back. And he's got blood on his face. And he comes to those that have sent him out. And he says, give me some more tracks. I got to go back. He's 10 years old. We're adults. Somebody at the office says, hmm, Christian, huh? And we go, oh, my goodness, they, they, don't, they don't like me. There's an hour coming. I don't know when the hour is. I know it's sooner now than yesterday. But the question is, what are we doing with the time in between The door is open. The door is open to your family. The door is open to your friend because your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, because they're asking you the questions. What is happening in our world? Has it gone crazy? Just to illustrate. A friend of mine is a Methodist pastor. I talked to him the other week, and he was telling me about the division that's coming in the Methodist denomination. I read a report this morning that they are actually now planning to divide that denomination on May the 1st over two issues, homosexual marriages, ordination of homosexuals, and listen to this, and the deity of Christ. That is a major Protestant denomination around the world founded by men who were so in tune with God and so systematic in discipling and ministering and helping and teaching and growing people that's how they got the name Methodists they had a method that worked and by the way just so you'll know when they were doing discipleship back in that day and you came to their gatherings and you had not finished your discipleship work you know what they did they sent you home. They said, oh, it's okay. Come on in. It'd be all right. No, they said, hey, if you don't have time for God, we ain't got time for you. And now here we are all these years later, and that denomination is dividing over an immoral issue and a very true de- theological issue of the deity of Christ. Has our world gone crazy? Yes, it has. But guess what? We are the ones that God has placed in this, in this time, so that we are the ones who share the answer and share the truth. He says, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. In other words, don't quit. Don't give up. Hold fast. So that no one will take your crown, because we're enduring to the end, the crown enduring to the end. He who overcomes, the crown of overcomer, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. He says, I am in this with you eternally. This is not just while you're sucking air on this planet. This is forever. He says, I am making you a pillar. A pillar, if, if you knew anything about the city of Philadelphia, there was those amazing pillars they had there identifying the city and city proper (laughs) and Jesus is saying those pillars ain't nothing compared to what I'm going to make of you when you walk this out the way I want you to 
And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. I want that name on me, don't you? Well, let's, let's just do the work. We, we know, if we know Christ, now if you're here and you don't know Christ, please don't leave here today without talking to one of us about how to know him. But then he says, you are mine. You belong to me. My name is going to be on you. You're going to be a pillar. <laughs> Listen up. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If we have ears, let us hear what is being said to us today as His church in this age. Would you stand as we pray? I'm going to ask you to pray. Excuse me. I'm going to ask you to pray as I pray for you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray for Jesus through the Holy Spirit, of course, to show you your open door. My door, your door will probably be different. Most of us don't have the same friends. We don't all work in the same places. We don't live in the same neighborhoods. So would you pray that as I pray for you? Father God, in the name of Christ, through you, Holy Spirit, I pray now that you're opening doors. You have the keys. And God, you're opening our eyes to see. Opening our ears to hear. And Lord, every one of us will move even into that deeper, deeper relationship with you, that intimacy with you, where, oh God, oh God, we know, we know that in this time, in this day, there are people around us who are so confused and in such great fear and so distressed, and yet you placed us here to be the ones to share your truth and to share your life with them so that their lives can be transformed as ours have been for your kingdom and for your glory. I bless each person here as the doors are opened for each one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're with us till the end of the age. You will not leave us and you will not forsake us. And we bless you now. We bless you, Father, with lives surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.